I'm thrilled and excited and I'm nervous too. Uh, I, in talking with the Lord about today, he said he, just a couple things he really wants to share and just share his heart and some stuff that's really dear to my heart and my journey with God. That's why it's a thrill to share it, but it's also nervous. It's hard. It's the, the challenge of encapsulating it into a way that feels, you know, digestible and doesn't take four hours to tell is <laughs> significant, but that's okay. That's okay. It's good. It's good to, it's good to be stretched and challenged a bit to really just center in on exactly what he wants to say, exactly how he wants to express himself. When I, um, I have, I can't remember in my life not being, not knowing God. And I mean, in the sense of believing that God's real, believing that, um, you know, believing in Jesus. And even from a young age, remember just thinking, wow, all of life, like it's really about God. It's really about him. It's really meant to be lived for him. It's about what he wants. It's about what he wants to do. That's the whole meaning of life. I mean, I think I remember telling my mom in, in you know, the language that I had at about five years old, saying that to her. And that has been, that's been a, a beat of my heart through my whole life is that I'm like, man, Jesus, this whole thing, everything, it's all from you. It's all through you and it's all to you all things. That's what the scripture says. Everything is about you. You deserve it all. You really do deserve it all. It's not just a platitude. It's not just an agreement or a statement of faith or a doctrine. You really deserve it all, Jesus. Life really is about you. Beloved, we wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for Jesus. He created us. He put his very breath inside of us. We would not even be here. The world itself would not exist if it weren't for him. Who you are, if you believe in Jesus, you are the bride of Christ and you're a son of God. God didn't want to institute a new program for humanity. It's not about a, a set of guidelines to live by. What he always intended, he wanted to be with you. You were on his heart, you were on his mind, you're the why. You're the why. And every other human in the world that you meet, they're the why. There's a song I used to sing when I'd lead worship, um, you know, probably 15 years ago we sang the song and, and the tag in that song is, all of life comes down to just one thing, that's to know you, oh Jesus, and to make you known. It's really true, if you can take your life and if you put your life in a pot and you boil it all down and you come out with, what does it really mean? What's this really about? It's him. It's him. And I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for something else, if you're trying to find something else, you're going to be sorely disappointed in life. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy you. Which is both a heavy truth and 
beautifully liberating. When you can make your life about that one thing, you will not be disappointed. Let me also say in that, let me promise you that you're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have seasons where uh, you you may feel hopeless or despairing or um, like, this isn't what I signed up for. I gave you everything, Jesus. Why did I end up here? It's like Dan Muller kept saying too when he was here, you know, when you lose your life is when you really find it. It's it's really easy and it's really common. It's happened to me. It's happened to every every person who's walked with Jesus in history has faced the same temptation to be distracted. For life to become start to become about other things. You know, it's that parable of the sower before Dan came that it, 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 in my times with God, it just kept coming to my mind over and over again where Jesus described, I mean, I understood, you know, what fell on the path, the seed got immediately taken up and what fell among the rocks, you know, it was sprouted up a little bit at first, but, you know, didn't last long. But what really kept hitting me, that third person that Jesus talks about, he says it's, it's the seed that fell among the thorns. It grew up. But then the thorns came up with it and choked it out. And Jesus said that those thorns, when he took the disciples aside and described it, he said there was, those thorns represented three things. Represented the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. And I'm willing to guess that if we were all to sit down, you know, and everybody share what are some of the things that have distracted you from the course, you know, those times when it's so crystal clear, oh, it's about you, Jesus. I just want to live for you. I just want to know you. Your love is so wonderful. I believe in you. I have faith, God. I want to live for you. What distracts us from the purity and simplicity of devotion to Christ? I bet we can boil them all down to those three things. The worries of this life. Stuff that Jesus said, he said, do not worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. He was aware. He was aware that the worries and the cares of your life on days when you're not feeling it and, you know, circumstances are pressing in, he was aware that that was a dangerous distraction from him. I want to say something right now, too. I don't, my goal is not to be heavy or weighty, or make you feel like, oh. But it's also my goal is not to blunt the edge at all. What good would that be? Love being real. I love when people are real with me, because I need it. Anything else is just watered down. The deceitfulness of riches, also the deceitfulness of wealth, or even the idea of mammon in the scripture, which is just... You know, what is, what is really riches and money come down to? It comes down to just our choices, things we can do, stuff that benefits us, right? That's not a comment on money itself. I'm not saying money's bad at all. In fact, money's not inherently good or evil. It's neutral. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But money itself is just a tool. 
but the, the deceitfulness of riches is that there's, there's something you can attain, something that you can get to in your life with money or with things that will answer the need of your soul, that will make you happier, that will make you more satisfied, more content, something, that it's going to add something to you in a way that only Jesus can. And the cares of this life, man. Oh, sorry, that's the first one. Where's the world cares life? Um, the desire for other things. Man, that's a nasty one. That is a surly, sneaky, surreptitious one. The desire for other things. I tell you, I t- began telling you about my childhood because I wanted to tell you. Um, you know, when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Uh, till about 21, 22, in those years was when it was like, I just went hard for Jesus. I gave everything up, every hobby that I had, whether it was playing soccer or video games, it was hanging out with friends, surfing. Um, it was, uh, you know, dating, anything, anything that I did and that I enjoyed in my life, I literally gave it up for a significant period of time because I said, I want all my time, everything I do to be completely spent on you, Jesus. And I spent time, it was like, I, if I wasn't praying, I was fasting. If I wasn't fasting, I was worshiping. If I wasn't worshiping, I was talking to people about Jesus. I mean, it was just all, it was my all in all, it was everything. I just wanted him. And I wanted him to have what he wanted. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the crazy thing about life is that life happens. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Stuff happens that you don't expect. You can feel like everything's going along great, and then wham, you hit a wall. Or you fall into a pit. Or maybe sometimes it's a slow slide into hopelessness, meaninglessness, purposelessness. In the times of life, in the seasons where God feels distant or that feeling of, you know, joy and worship or the feeling of God's presence or the, the initial joy of your salvation or just the, man, when I'm around people who love God, it just feels so great, right? Um, in seasons where that fades, you really understand what dia, what, that's interesting it's my wife's name you really understand what Jesus you know what Jesus lives in Dia and anybody who knows her can attest to that can I get an amen so that's pretty impressive the last time I said can I get an amen I think I heard one and I bring Dia up and scripture says that a noble wife is her husband's crown and man you so are that Dia I love you you shine and sparkle um, but when you go through those those times and those seasons of disappointment, disillusionment, disenfranchisement, dis, any dis thing, you understand what, why Jesus added that into the warnings, the desire for other things. And that stuff just creeps in little by little. You know, desire for other things never shows up at your door and says, hey, you know, let's go do something else. It's just this little bit, little bit, little bit. 
day after day it adds to it or week after week, month after month until you, until you go, how did I get to this place that my desire for Jesus just feels so low, but my desire to figure out my life or do things in my life or, you know, accomplish things or marry somebody or, uh, you know, succeed or, um, find my destiny and my purpose actually begins to take the place of knowing Jesus keeping him at that place, the place he's meant to be, where Hebrews says that to keep your eyes upon Jesus, who is both the author and the finisher of your faith. There is no other way to get through this race, beloved. There's no other way to get through this life, make it to the end, and like Paul the Apostle said, finish the race well. There's no other way besides keeping your eyes fixed upon Jesus. And there's no, that's not a condemning statement for anybody who's had their eyes wander from Jesus. <laughs> it's not at all. It's just a, it's a reminder that we get to turn right back to that. Oh yeah, that's the answer. Because it's happened to me so many times along the way. The desire for other things creeps in more and more and more, little by little, until I'm like, man, what the heck? These, these things are big time competing with my desire for Jesus. You can be, um, oh man, I just have such a heart for this generation uh, and for people just first coming to Christ and walking passionately with him in the beginning. I have such a heart because you can start off really well but end really prematurely and really poorly. At the end of the day, if you're not in it for Jesus, and I don't mean doing anything for him or proving your love to him or trying to measure up. It's not what I mean. I mean in it for Jesus, like like a marriage, right? Well, I got married to you for you, not for all the things you could do for me or for you know the life that we could build or you know the money you had, right? If you, um, if you, at the end of the day, if you're in it for any other reason than for Jesus and being with him, and you're not going to make it. That's a really hard truth, and I've seen it happen too many times. It's really, really sad. It's heartbreaking, but I've seen the fruit of it, when at the end of the day, it's not about Jesus and someone's life. They don't go the distance. There's good news. If that's where you're at, um, God can work in that. All you got to have is a desire and a prayer. God, I want that. I don't feel that. I don't feel like it's just about you. And I just, you know, at the end of the day, want you. But would you give that to me? You know, beloved, he's so much more than willing to do that. So don't get down on yourself. That would be the wrong response. If anybody leaves here today feeling down on themselves, you are not responding the way God wants you to. He's not frowning at you. He's smiling. He's open arms. There's always an invitation with God. That's why the scripture says that we're to come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need. That's what Hebrews said. Because what Jesus did was so complete that all your lack, all your failure, all your misguidedness or, you know, sin, whatever the issue is, Father's already dealt with all that stuff through Jesus. So as soon as you're aware of something off or as soon as you're we're like, ah, oh, how do I get here? Or it's not really about you. You get to come boldly before the throne of grace as a child of God. You get to just step in and <laughs> just open your heart.
couple things here too that the Lord told me uh, he wanted to say and wanted me to share today. He wanted me to tell you, um, I am with all of you in a way that empowers you to live above your circumstances and reign in life in Christ Jesus. I'll read that again. I'm with all of you. Let's, let's try this too. Why don't you just close your eyes just for a sec here and imagine Jesus or the Father looking into your eyes and saying this with warm affection and confidence. I am with you in a way that empowers you to live above your circumstances and reign in life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. I think it's um, so important to see that because uh, just it being all about Jesus, right? And laying down your life, submitting your life to God, picking up your cross and following him, loving not your own life unto death. Like Dan kept saying, it doesn't mean you live... um, just a bummer life that's just all sacrifice all the time, right? That feels devoid of joy, but it's duty and, you know, you just, well, it's not about me, so I'm just going to die. I mean, sometimes that's the answer you got to give <laughs> to get yourself in line. <laughs> Some days you just going to be like, man, this is, it's not about me. But that said, he is such a gracious and giving God. He is so un- inconceivably generous. He wants to do for us more than we can ask or imagine, his word says. That's pretty wild. If you stop and think about it and you think about the imagination that God gave you and how powerful the imagination is, we can imagine a lot of things. And he wants to do above and beyond, exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that you could ask, think, or imagine. That's big deal stuff. And that's really cool. Because he wants you... He wants you to know that he is with you in a way that empowers you to live above your circumstances and reign in life in Christ Jesus so that you are not at the mercy of the stuff you go through. Beloved, you are not at the mercy of the stuff you go through. You're at the mercy of the living God who loved you and gave himself up for you. Ha, that's uh, that's, uh Galatians 2.20, that's one of my favorite verses. When I was about 17 years old, I prayed that over and over and over and over. I'd been crucified with Christ. Thank you, God. It was like I finally got that revelation. It's not about what I can do. It's not about me mustering it up or being a good Christian or just exercising my faith. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's it. That's it. Sometimes you have these stop moments when you're reading scripture. You got to stop. And God puts a marker right there. And you just, you, you just camp there. Because it's a truth that your soul needs. And for me, that was it. That was a turning point. That was a marker. That was a defining statement in my life. You're not going through any stuff alone. You are not at the mercy of life, of the world, of a political party, of your family. You're not at the mercy of somebody who's done you wrong. 
<laughs> Beloved, you are at the mercy of the living God. Who is so crazy about you, you can't even begin to imagine how much he loves you and cherishes you. He gave his own son to die for you in the most horrendous way so that you would be his forever. And he could give you all things in Christ. Scripture says that God has freely given us all things in Christ. That's how radical the exchange is. I'm not going to go down that path. I don't want to get distracted, but it's, man, it's worth exploring. How radical and over the top the love of God is for you. Number two, he told me to say, I have all things that they need in Christ. And trust is their purpose when walking into or through places and situations and seasons that they don't understand. Let me read that again. Let's do it again. Let's close our eyes. I can't because I can't read if I close my eyes, but you guys can. I have all things that you need in Christ. And beloved, trust is your purpose when walking into or through places, situations, and seasons that you don't understand. <clears throat> Faith is really powerful. Faith can move mountains. Even the faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus said, could say to a mountain, throw yourself into the sea and it would be done. Faith is a powerful, powerful force. But I'm going to risk saying what I believe from the scriptures and, and from you know, the journey with God that there are times when your faith will be challenged and likely your faith will wane and faith will feel like, what happened to that muscle? Where did it go? If you're in that place, faith may not be the thing that gets you out. Because that season may not be about getting out of it. Sometimes, and I would venture to say a lot of the time, that season's not about faith. It's about trust. Do you still trust him? And you still choose to trust him when <laughs> everything goes the opposite of what you were hoping. And you've lost the feeling, you've lost the motivation, you don't even want to do it anymore. You're over it, you're frustrated, you feel betrayed, you feel let down. You feel shorted and slighted. I felt all those things in different seasons, and they all sucked. <laughs> But every time it came back down to the same thing. The Lord said this to me multiple times in my journals. I can go back. And his answer, I didn't get to hear the answers I wanted to hear. I didn't get an answer to why I was there. I didn't get an answer to why things went down like that. I didn't get an answer to what do I do to get out of this place because I hate it. I remember when he told me one of the first times, he said, he said, your answer, son, three simple words. Trust in me 
And he repeated, he said, three simple words, but a lifetime of learning. That's a good one. There you go. Someone needs to write that down. Trust in me. Three simple words, but a lifetime of learning. You know how radically, wonderfully, extravagantly freeing it is to actually, really, truly trust God? <laughs> to go through, not going to say, <laughs> not to go through the stuff that hits the fan. I wanted to say it. I did. I don't talk like that, but I just wanted to say it because sometimes it just feels like that, man. Did you say when the fit hits the shan? Is that what you said? Uh, I like it. That wasn't what I was talking about. No, I'm just kidding. I'm trying to keep my eyes on Jesus right now. Author and perfecter of this sermon. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to finish the race well. Everybody here wants me to. When you can be in an awful place and trust God, then you're truly free. Think about it. What if your trust was so deep, so detailed, so secure in Jesus and his love for you and who the Father promises to be in the residency of the Holy Spirit inside you, what if your trust was so deep that no matter what you went through, it didn't throw you off and you were okay? That is true freedom. Having all the money, you know, being married to the most amazing person, having all the best friends, living fully in your calling and all that stuff, right? All good stuff, but that's not the real freedom. When you can be at the bottom of the pit, which rhymes with manure. And you can say, Father, I trust you. And you can mean it. And you can feel that. Yeah, you got me. I trust you. Oh my gosh, that is freedom, beloved. That is so worth going through this journey and saying yes to God to get to. I'm telling you right now, hear it. That is so worth all the stuff you have gone through, are going through, and will go through in order to really, really, truly, unapologetically, not looking back, no excuses, believe and trust that he's for you, that he's good, that he's with you, that he's going to hold up his end of the deal perfectly all the time, that all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, that he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. And it doesn't matter how bad you feel or how dark things look. He's your hope. He's your salvation. Even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not going to fear any of it or any of the evil because you know that your shepherd Jesus is with you and that he cares for you. That his rod and his staff give you the most wonderful comfort, his nearness. When you can hear the sound of his breath, when you can feel the warmth of his presence. 
um, a lot of people, including myself in the past, question why they feel like God left or why the things they did before aren't working, why they can't feel him in worship anymore, or this presence can't feel the sense of his presence. I've been there. I really, really didn't like it. <clears throat> but there's something, there's, there's times of life, there's seasons we go through with God where those things that were once tangible and really clear are intentionally hidden. Because you can't grow deep and you can't grow properly and you can't become like Christ without walking through those places and learning how to trust in him. <laughs> it's kind of sucky it happens like that. <laughs> but the reward is so worth it. I'm telling you the fruit and the outcome and the rewards are so worth it. And I've tasted it and seen it. I know I'm going to continue to in my life, but I really have. I've seen God feeling like everything was hopeless and there was no chance in giving up on it all, you know, and then seeing God come through in the most marvelous, miraculous, incredible, mind-blowing, there's just no way only God could do this kind of ways. But man, some of those took years. That's And don't, you know, don't get discouraged if you hear the word years or decades Sorry. <laughs> because there's no, whatever you're going through, there's not a time limit on it right now. You don't know if it's going to be over tomorrow or next week or a month or next year, right? You don't. So you don't, don't get all fearful and be like, oh, it's going to be years. You don't know that. But you don't need to know that. You just need to be able to say, whatever it is you're doing, I want to get out of it what you have for me. And I really do want to learn to trust you. So help me learn to trust you. If you've gone through junk, I need to say this too. If you've gone through some really hard stuff, beloved, it's not God's fault. It is not God's fault if you go through difficult, sucky, hard stuff. I've seen a lot of people over the years as well just get angry with God. Why would you do this to me? Why would you, you know, don't you care about me? But he cares about you. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to redeem you, to give you eternal life, to adopt you, to make you his bride. The fact that he cares you and loves you should really never be in question. Can we just put that out on the table? That should never be in question in our heart, that he cares about us and loves us immensely that he's diehard committed to us and faithful, that it's, that's not an optional consideration in the kingdom of God. As a believer in Jesus, those, that is, it's not a question. That one's set in stone. That one's a done deal. There's nothing even to question. He loves you. He cares about you. He's not going anywhere. He's committed to you. We just want to encourage us. If there's something in your life you find you keep peeling back, you know, to anger, frustration, you know, upsetness with God. Um, there is no evil, no shadow, no darkness in God. 
He's not doing anyone wrong. You know, bad things happen. It's not his fault. Just want to make that clear. And I think I think we, I think the majority of us really do believe that. But sometimes we get in those dark places, and it just it's hard not to be angry, you know, or feel despondent. So that's just a friendly reminder. Start wrapping up here. Jesus is also saying to me, life is about me and meant to be lived in me. (laughs) There's no other purpose, no other true purpose than that. Christ is all in all and life lived in him, with him, and unto him is the true purpose of mankind. Only there will people truly see the abundant life that I've promised and fulfill their years of life with utmost satisfaction, peace, and joy. And then he posed this question. I am all that there is. Will you have me? I'm all that there is. Will you have me? I'm going to share a brief anecdote about that. Um, During those years, when I was younger, there was another guy uh, who was just running hard after Jesus. And we were the same age. We had parallel passions, similar giftings and anointings. And um, he, uh, I mean, he went all out. He went all out. There was tremendous things happening in his life. And um, God was doing miracles through him. He was seeing, you know, Blind eyes were getting healed in the name of Jesus. Deaf ears were opening up. Um, a lot of people were getting saved. He, there was just a tremendous favor on his life. Everywhere he went, it was like he just got pulled into a place of authority and, and leadership and influence. And he went to all the like, you know, he went to all the top places. He was. Um, I, I won't go into. It. Names. We'll just say all the like top ministry schools globally and the things that are really well known. He was going there and he was, you know, getting favored there as well and having some of those people be his spiritual parents. And he, um, he didn't make it. Between getting burned out and offense and living for other things and the cares of this life and just this mixture of stuff, at the end of the day, he um, he stepped out uh, on it all and he walked away from Jesus and he stepped into stuff that he knew was wrong, but he just went full on. Oh, and I remember this when this was happening in his life and just crying out to the Lord. I was like, Father, please. Please rescue him in this place. Please save him, God. And then a really clear vision opened up for me as I was praying in the Spirit. And uh, I saw him standing in the middle and there was like a tornado of stuff going around him. 
and I could see, it was like, I saw these frames in the tornado and it was like this ministry school, this miracle, this person that, you know, he got to know that was some spiritual hero, this, um, this time of preaching, this anointing that, you know, it was just all this stuff, all these things. They were like these specific little situations. And then, uh, it was so much that that's all he could see was consuming. But outside of that was black space. It was nothing except Jesus. And I was brought inside that whirlwind um, from what I could, you know, the visual. And if I tried really hard and strained really hard, I could see G- just kind of see Jesus through the swirl of stuff. But it was, man, it was hard. And then I stepped outside of the whirlwind, you know, right to where Jesus was and all of a sudden everything went silent. Everything behind him was completely dark. Like it wasn't even stars, you know, it was just completely dark and it was just Jesus. And that's what he said. He said, I am all that there is. Will you have me? And he said, he said, my friend's name, you know, he said, I'm all that there is. Will you have me? And it just became so clear, so clear in that moment. Man, this thing really is about Jesus. It's really about Father God, the Holy Spirit. But man, it's, it is, he's it, you guys. He's the true purpose. He's the reason for being alive. This whole thing is his story, and it's about him. And you get to be a remarkable part of that story as a child of God and the bride of Christ. That is the most privileged place you could ever imagine. Scripture says that even angels long to look into these things. What we get to inherit, being children of God and being the bride of Christ, there is no more favored and privileged position than that. That's given all by grace. Nobody earned it. Even the angels who've been with them in heaven for who knows how long don't get to have that place. So it's a good thing that this is all about him. It's a really wonderful, joyous thing. And I'll tell you what, there's nobody else that could be about that would be better. Some good ones of you out there, but you're not that good. It's a really beautiful, wonderful, good thing that it's all about him. Don't let the stuff of life become so much and become the focus that you lose sight of him and you forget at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, it's all about him. And that is the most joyful, peaceful, wonderful way to live. So free, so alive. And if you're not feeling it, it's okay. Hang in there. Remember those three words, trust in me. Trust will get you through. Father, I thank you for your great love. Thank you. Thank you for your great love. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you care for us immensely. Thank you that your goodness and your kindness is immeasurable. (laughs) I love... I love the ways you show off in your kindness and goodness over and over and over again. Thank you for the little things you do that we don't even notice. Those gestures of your kindness and your love that 
we're totally unaware of. Thank you that you're 100% faithful to your side, that you never change. Thank you that you are wonderfully and perfectly the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that not a person in here could put their hope in you and ever be disappointed, Jesus. Thank you that those who wait upon you, Lord, will renew their strength. Thank you that even when we think it's over, it's not over. Thank you that you are the word, Jesus. You're the first word and you're the final word. You are the word of God. You're the word over our lives, Jesus. You've already had the victory against sin and death. You've already made the way for eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for your wonderful, freeing, liberating conviction, Holy Spirit, for every one of my brothers and sisters and me again and again as well, Lord, for all of us, that this is about you, that we get to look to you and not take our eyes off of you. We get to believe that you're the author, you're the finisher of this thing, that this is a story about you and that's the most wonderful, beautiful thing that we can trust in you always. that we can trust in your nature. Which is perfect in every way. You are the fruit of the Spirit. You are loving and joyful. You're always peaceful. And you're unceasingly patient. 